my experience with breast cancer is actually through my deceased grandmother, who I've actually never met. Her name's Beverly. My immediate reaction to that is like, oh, my girlfriend has cancer. Oh, she's going to die. Hi, everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna. And this is Rosalina. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but a journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hi, everyone. It's Rosalina. Hi, guys. I am so excited for this episode. I have here Mr. Brian Kaplan, my partner on the podium today. And we have him on here so we can get into our relationship, get into his role as a caretaker and talk about his feelings, my feelings and emotions throughout my cancer journey. So thank you, Brian, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We're excited to have you, Brian. Yeah. This is is exciting. My whole life has been leading up to this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Brian has been listening to some of our episodes in season one. So thank you for being a fan. (laughs) Number one fan. Before we dive into the deeper questions, I just want the listener to get to know you. So what do you want the listeners to know? Yeah. So um, I do a lot of stuff in my free time. I'm a multifaceted kind of guy. I do a lot of crazy stuff, but recently I'm uh, starting my semi-professional karting career. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, there's this like racetrack near where uh, we live. It's like an hour away and you can go and like rent go-karts and it's like pretty pro style nice. stuff. They go like 40 miles an hour or something. They're like super fast. It's insane. Right. And you have a competition coming up. I do. I do. So I signed up for uh, for like a race. They're going to do like qualifying heats and it's like, I'm going to be a Formula One driver one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, cool? it's so cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's a big new thing for me, I think. Yeah. It's so funny because um, Brian was like, you want to come do this with me? And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about I think, this. I, you could do it. I think you've had enough life and death, life or death experiences in the last year. <laughs> I'm not trying to be in hospitals any more than we already have. Yeah, I agree. What else, Brian, about yourself? I play guitar in a metal band that we, that we founded in Seattle. It's pretty cool. We're coming out probably with an album sometime later this year. So keep you posted on that. So Brian's first single that he co-wroted, he actually sang. I did. Yeah. And it sounded really good, actually. So I did did the clean vocals. So you're the guitar player in this band? And then I guess. So we have we have two guitar players. I do the lead vocal, like lead lead clean vocals. And then my other buddy Jay, he plays more of the uh 
like uh, lead guitar, and he nice. does the like screaming vocal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like insane. He's, crazy. he's pretty good. Yeah, he's super good. Yeah. I'm like, wow, Jay can make that like <laughs> yeah. noise yeah, nice or like that. that sound. Yeah. So like who like what does your band sound like? It's uh it's it's progressive metal. Progressive metal. Like yeah. similar to like what? Like I don't listen to metal, but like Metallica? Uh yeah. I mean Metallica is is on the list of influences. I know that's Jay's favorite band, so he he follows them like gospel aren't you guys a little similar to ozzy osbourne and yeah I mean, his band there's some some influence there your band used to be an instrumental yeah it was metal band yeah it was and so if you guys ever heard of russian circles um they're pretty similar to that yeah 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 for sure right Rosalina, so. did you listen to metal before meeting Brian? My ex-boyfriend <laughs> was also into <laughs> metal, so that's okay. why I kind of have that knowledge. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Last thing that you should talk about, Brian, because you have so many interests, is your gigs. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I'm a voice actor now. Really? For yeah, what? I started I started a Fiverr and I do like voiceovers and voice acting and it's pretty crazy. For like commercials or just like anything? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but the coolest so part though is you did a voice act for a game. Yeah, we did a we did a small um a game. I haven't like seen anything from the game yet. Uh but it's from a small Polish uh st- like indie studio. It's some kind cool. of like. I mean, there's a ton of money in game. that. I don't know. I did like a bunch of voices for them. It was like it was pretty fun. Yeah, that is fun. I mean, there's like I said, a ton of money in that. I have a friend that does voiceover work, oh, nice. and she just kills it. Maybe you should get some yeah. tips Maybe, from yeah. her. Maybe you should uh, <laughs> talk to your friend. Yeah, yeah I'll so. connect you. She's great. Yeah, she's great. And then um, I know somebody else who was like the the woman on the Barnes and Noble commercials. No freaking way! Like around Christmas time, oh, like wow. she's that. Yeah, I met her and she 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 was a friend of my old employer and she like did it in the kitchen and I was oh like, oh my god, Whoa. that's so like, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of wild to like hear it in real life because normally you don't see yes. a face to the voice, so it yeah. was really cool. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. That's like a great kind of side gig. I mean, it seems like you have like a ton of stuff going on, but that's that's pretty fun. So the list goes on. Thank you for giving that intro, Brian. Now let's get into our relationship. So just give the listeners a brief overview about how we met, how long we've been together, any just like major events. Just give us like a short timeline. Um, So we met like three years ago. It was was three years in, in February or sorry, January, right? So <laughs> I would say we we met like that's true three we, and a half that's true yeah three and a half yeah in Seattle I think I'd I'd only lived in Seattle before we met like two two months or something like I was I was bright eyed and bushy tailed like in Seattle and <laughs> Rosie over here was like you know she knew the lay of the land pretty well mm-hmm. so she was showing me all these cool things and stuff where are you originally from oh I'm from uh, Virginia originally I moved to Seattle and. I guess that was, yeah, mid-summer 2018. Mm-hmm. We met on a dating app and we just hit it off. And it was good times. Like we had a lot of fun times in, mm-hmm. in Seattle when we were first 
getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had some like wild nights. Yeah, we did. Just like like going I mean, to Rosie's, bars. Rosie's crazy. <laughs> I convinced her to come with me to Vancouver for like a weekend getaway. Like after our second date or something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was actually pretty insane. And you went. Yeah, yeah so went. I went. <laughs> Have you ever seen Dateline? Yes, yes. I've seen Dateline. I've seen that show. <laughs> okay. Yes. He trusted my dumbass. He just had like good intentions. I don't know. And I don't know. You I had, put yeah, it. He had good energy. Yeah. I just felt that. Yeah. I just trusted him, which is not the case for me with everyone. I don't trust people like that. Yeah. Rosie is usually pretty sus. <laughs> with everything. <laughs> so. She's from the tri-state area. I think it's it's in our blood. I know, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, it's definitely <laughs> in my Latin blood because my mom always pounded like, don't trust people, you can't trust anyone type of thing. So <laughs> you went on this weekend trip and then did you guys just like knew that it was kind of solidified from there? Like you guys were together? No, we didn't. Um, I think... I, I'm sure we were much closer after that, but we didn't actually start dating like officially until January. And that was back in October. So that was like October 2018. Oh, and then okay. We didn't like actually start dating until, until um, January 2019. I probably waited too long because I like had this, I had this major freak out over New Year's because I sent her this like heartfelt, like oh my God, happy New Year's text. <laughs> And I never got a, re- I didn't get a response. <laughs> she like ghosted me. I never got yeah, she a text. She didn't get the text message. I literally showed you my phone, but I never got the text message. I don't know what happened. I never got it. I think what probably happened is that, you know, everyone sends that text like at the same time. So it's entirely possible that it could just get lost in the. Oh, you mean like on New Year's yeah, like like, at midnight? Know, the, the traffic volume is like yeah. super high. So, I mean, usually that kind of thing yeah, doesn't definitely. happen, but I guess it happened. I don't know. This sounds like a rom-com. <laughs> she's going to hold this one to her grave and on her deathbed, she's going to be like, I got the text. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's going to be our last, so our last dying confession. <laughs> that's <I know>. really <laughs> funny. <laughs> How about currently? How did we get to this point? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we we moved here in April last year. Moved where? Uh, Los to, Angeles? To LA, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was it? I guess it was probably mine. Well, Rosie wanted to go to San Diego. And then I was like, I can't find a good job there. The, the job market in San Diego is not really great. As far as like big industry, I felt like we both were talking about moving. It was like a co. I don't think we were talking about moving together really until we were like both actually decided to move. Because I don't think we wanted to like coerce the other person to move with us. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it was like a, yeah, I think I need to leave. And mm-hmm. then it was like a, I think I need to leave too. Yeah. So I hit my five year mark and I told myself, I would ask this question of like, do I want to stay in Seattle or do I want to venture out? somewhere else. And I decided that I wanted to see what else was out there. So I think it was like two different reasons. Like he didn't like Seattle. So he just wanted to leave where I was like, where can I see myself? Yeah. Yeah, You were just ready for the next adventure. Yeah. Thanks for that intro, Brian. Yeah. 
That was pretty good. I practiced it for a long time. I learned a lot. <laughs> I was like, I was like in the mirror for like the past two weeks, like talking through my intro. Yeah, he wasn't, but <laughs> were, you, were you sweating this interview so hard? Yeah, I couldn't sleep last night. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kind of, I guess, dive into some of uh, the questions about Rosalina's diagnosis. Um. Brian, what were your initial thoughts when Rosalina got diagnosed with breast cancer? I mean, I, I was gutted, like overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah, it was it was rough. I mean, it was definitely like a why me, why this, why us? Like one of the big things I think was because at when she got diagnosed, we were like already planning to move to LA. So I was like, I was like, all right, well, we're not going to LA now, so we're going to be stuck here for even longer. That obviously didn't turn out to be the case, which is awesome. I think it was a lot, ended up being a lot easier for probably both of us that we were here in, in, in LA as opposed to um, in Seattle. In general, pretty. Just to um, add more color into (laughs) like our move to Los Angeles. I think that was very good for us. Like what Brian said, a fresh new start, except for, you know, I still had to like face the cancer thing. But in terms of just like being in the sun, I think changed our mood pretty tremendously. So I think that also like helped with dealing with all this Seattle could be really gray most of the time <laughs> only the summer times is really when you get the sun so got diagnosed last February so it's like I just felt like I shouldn't be in Seattle anymore <laughs> I got this cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. and I can't deal with this here mm-hmm. in Seattle I need to be somewhere else so um, I think it was a good choice for us to move to Los Angeles. Yeah. It sounded like you had like a dark cloud around you, like in every sense. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After you got diagnosed, I pretty much like didn't, I, I didn't like leave your apartment basically. I like came over and then I don't think I like left you for very much time, like over the next couple of weeks. Like I was, Right. I was like just boarded up like in your in your apartment. Yeah. So I lived in a studio apartment and Brian would just be there all the time. It it was a really cramped space to have yeah. two people and plus Louie. <laughs> well, did you feel like you just didn't want to leave her because she was like distraught, or you just felt like I just want to be there for her, like at and at any moment that she needs me? Yeah. So I mean, I basically knew that she if she was left too long by herself, like she would just lose it uncontrollably, like sobbing, like just so emotional. So yeah. I felt like I, I needed to be there to help control that because initially it was all just like trying to figure everything out. What was going on? What's the deal? What needs to happen? Like how bad is it really? The like unknown those, is the worst part, especially yeah, in the beginning of being things. diagnosed. Yeah. 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 And obviously, like, I didn't, I was trying to be as involved 
as possible from like an intellectual perspective to understand and try to help like make the most rational decision as possible. So I felt like I needed to almost be on the phone, like with these doctors when they would call. So I was like, not trying to not be there. Right. Did you feel like you had to regulate your emotions around Rosalina? Um, you know, did you hold back like your feelings? Did you not show that you were upset? You know, did you, do you feel like you had to kind of, you know, keep it together for the both of you? Or did you share any of your, your fears or concerns or like show how upset you were? I mean, I think I, I think I tried to hide it, but it didn't work for very long. Like there were some moments where I like, I broke down and I was like, I'm not supposed to be the one that's like freaking out. I'm supposed to be able to hold it together for you. And you were, and you were like, it's okay. I'm, I'm here for you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to see him that way. So I tried to comfort him as much as possible, even though obviously like I was the person who had cancer, but it's, it's just a natural thing for me is to be there for other people. So I just, at that moment, I think he needed me to, to be there for him and hug him and, you know, all those things. So, but that was, you know, really right in the beginning. Like, I think that was like the first day that, that, that had happened. The most emotional time for me was definitely up until the fact that like, we basically had this understanding that she wasn't going to like immediately die. That was like the big thing for me. Like, because my, my experience with breast cancer is actually through my deceased grandmother, mm-hmm. who is that, who's actually my namesake, who I've actually never met. Her name's Beverly, Grandma Bev. My immediate reaction to that is like, oh, my girlfriend has cancer. Oh, she's going to die. Like that was yeah, my- Yeah, that's an immediate, immediate death sentence. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Which is obviously, fortunately, not the case. Um, and I think as soon as I wrapped my head around the fact that she was not immediately going to die and there's, you know, a, there's, there's a method and steps that we can take to, to get it taken care of and just like move on as much as possible. I think I was a lot less emotional after that happened. The first time I heard that I had cancer, I thought I was going to die. The other reaction that I had was like, fuck, I don't want to do this to people in my life. Like, I don't want to do that to Brian or I don't want to do that to my brothers, my parents. I don't want to be the one who dies, you know? I didn't want that like hardship to happen where like Brian over here, like his fucking girlfriend died and he's only like 28 years old. That's so sad. And I didn't want that to happen. Same thing with like my family too. My mom would rather get the cancer than me. It was just so much emotions. And that was the last thing that I wanted was for them to have to deal with someone who actually like died from cancer. You guys are only like a year into your relationship at this point. Basically the start of your relationship. This is a little over like a year. almost two years. Yeah, yeah, it was two but years. You got to realize like we were together for all of COVID, right? So your diagnosis was like mid-late COVID, right? Yeah, like 2021. Like, a like year we had after been COVID. In, we had yeah. been in COVID for like a hot minute. Right. 
So, and, and we were with each other all the time. It didn't feel like it was still a young relationship. Like we were in it. Right. During the pandemic, I mean, (laughs) we would just hang out with each other like all the freaking time. We lived in separate apartments, but I would always go to his apartment or he would always go to mine and we would always play like Mario Kart or watch like cartoons or (laughs) movies. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I felt like due to that, like we got super close. COVID kind of aged every relationship probably 10, 15 years. I mean, Matt and I at that point were already together like seven ish and then living together and being together 24 seven was just, I mean, I feel like we've been together for 25 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been 84 years. How do, you, how do you guys do it? What's the secret? Yeah. What's the secret, Sean? <laughs> I don't know. There's two bedrooms. That's the only way, that could, that was the only way that we could do it at that point. When we moved to Los Angeles, like I think it was important for us to have space too. <laughs> you know, we can't live in a one yeah. bedroom apartment. No. That that would be like super insane and crazy. Yeah, that, that would not yeah. So I definitely agree with you that like having two bedrooms, you know, one for playtime maybe or or office time, yeah. like whatever it is, like it's super necessary. Yeah. Just like being able to go into separate rooms when, you know, somebody's like not sleeping well or just, you know, you guys are driving each other absolutely insane and need like yeah, a space. Absolutely. I don't think that that's a bad no, it's no, the best that's thing. not a bad thing. Yeah, the best thing we did. Best decision. Um, so, Brian, <laughs> you said, you know, the only real experience you've ever had with like cancer or breast cancer was your grandmother that you never met. So, did you like go straight to researching about breast cancer and treatments and hospitals, or did you just kind of learn everything from Rosalina's doctors? There was definitely an active investigation and like research (laughs) kind of phase that I had. Um, A lot of that information did come from the doctors. The first oncologist that you talked to, I think surgical oncologist, right? Is that Mm -hmm. Dr. Perrin? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that was like still peak COVID. So I wasn't actually able to go into the office with her for that visit, but I was on the phone and I just remember asking, you know, a lot of questions and I, I fortunately like come from a family that is no stranger to like medical terms and like medicine in general. Um, yeah, your father. Yeah. Um, works. So, so my dad like studied, I think biomed for a time. I don't actually remember the, the specifics of that, but my dad has a lot of experience in medicine like from an educational perspective. Mm -hmm. So like growing up, I was never a stranger to illnesses or medical terms or that kind of stuff. Like we were definitely super open about talking about that kind of stuff. And that's so strange because I come from a completely different background. Yeah, which I found so, so intriguing. Like I probably knew more about breast cancer than Rosie did. Yep, it's true. At at the time of diagnosis, Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there was definitely quite a lot of research and, and investigation. Your your family member, I don't remember the relation, uh, Papo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Papo, who is actually a doctor. Right. And um, he studied in the Dominican Republic and then came to Florida to, yeah, to get I his think license. He, I need to meet that man because he's like... <laughs> <laughs> he's a great man. <laughs> yeah, like he helped us out so much. I think he was like the one thing 
that calmed everything down. Right. It's true. So this is my cousin, Bapal. When I've spoken to Bapal, who has education in just medicine overall, but he actually knows a lot about cancer. Yeah. I mean, he, we just, you know, bombarded him with questions. Um, and he was really careful to like make us understand that the information that we had been given was all like relatively good information. For example, like he asked me about my pathology report. He went through that with me. So, you know, my first visit with Dr. Perrin, all the information that she told me like went through one ear out the other. So with my cousin, yeah, definitely. So with my cousin Bapo, like it was really good for him to break it down for me. What does it mean to be ERPR positive? What is KI-67? Is there any lymph nodes involved? He was like telling me all these things and like asked me questions. And it was really good (laughs) information. And I feel like for him to explain it to me that way, I was able to digest it way better than my doctor visit with Dr. Perrin. But I think that was also because for me, at least like, I need to hear the information more than once to actually like understand. He was super helpful in that sense. That's probably where the the research and information stuff on my, at least on my side kind of ended. I I it got to a point where I could tell Rosalina was like comfortable and understood well like what was happening, what she needed to do how she should actually go about like controlling the narrative in a doctor visit. Cause I think that's really important. Like a lot of times, you know, you go in and you talk to a doctor and they like, they try to control the narrative for you, which I think is, is really bad because then you just get overwhelmed. You got to kind of advocate for yourself and like try to actually uh, take the time to ask the questions. And, you and need whatever. to have like, like a mission, right? Like when I got comfortable with information that was given to me, I made it my mission to go to the doctor appointment and control the conversation as much as I possibly could, which was super helpful because the thing is like, it is scary when you go to the doctor's office and then they tell you all this information and you just feel hopeless and vulnerable and you don't even know like what to ask. But if you've taken the time to understand the information, go back home, maybe talk it out with your partner, with which I did with Brian, like we went over it like so many times. And then also talking to my cousin Papo, like all of that made me become like a stronger person and made me want to go into my oncologist's office and just like start bombarding them with all these questions. Yeah, just like grill them. I think once the initial shock of it wears off, and not saying that it ever like fully wears off, but like once you're able to sit there and be like, okay, shit, this is like my reality. This is my life. Like now what do we do about it? then I think obviously that makes it easier to kind of process information and ask those questions. And then having your partner be able to like be there to ask the questions that you miss 
you know, cause I, yes. I don't know. We've talked about this on, on season one, but like, I always found myself like when there was something that I absolutely did not want to hear, like when the mention of chemo was brought up, like instant blackout. So it was like, it, I always felt like it was right. really great to have, you know, Matt there to finish asking the questions that I came in to ask. Like, Brian, did you do that a lot? I mean, I know you weren't in the office with Rosalina, but like on the phone, you were yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being on the phone for those initial conversations was tough, but I think it it was definitely a place for me to ask questions and get all the information that I could get. Um, I mean, I was taking notes. Like if I looked at my phone, I could probably find the notes even still. Brian, what was like the hardest parts for you watching like Rosalina go through surgery, recovery treatment? Like what was like one of the hardest moments of the entire, like, you know, apart from getting diagnosed? So there was a bunch of, well, not a bunch of times, but there was like a couple of distinct moments through the phase that happens after diagnosis where they, you know, try to get you information about your pathology and, or, or whatever. And, you know, what the potential outcomes are going to be from your, like even from a surgical perspective. Cause I remember the initial diagnosis was like a lot less severe than what the actual diagnosis was. We like literally went out and freaking celebrated because you were like supposed to just get a lumpectomy. And then, and then we like found <laughs> out that that was like not the case. Like we got it. You got like a random ass call like later Friday night. Was it the same day we went out? Or no. Was it? So we went out Wednesday and I got the call. Dr. Perrin called me on Wednesday saying that my MRI did not show any signs that any lymph nodes were involved. There were no cancer in the lymph nodes. And then we celebrated Wednesday. And then Friday night, I got an unexpected call from Dr. Perrin. And that's when she told me that they reread the MRI report. Yeah, well, they had, had somebody else look at it. Yeah. And then they called us again and they were like, yeah, there, like, there's all this other stuff. And like, you know, we, we can't do the initial plan. And like, that was really, that was really tough. That was really hard. It was super yeah. hard and I couldn't be on the phone. Like that was the moment where I was like, here, Brian, like I can't fucking do this. And then Dr. Perrin was like, where's Rosalina? And like, Brian's like, she's in the other room. She can't like deal with this information. At that time, I was probably like pretty in control of my own emotions. So it was really just like play the caregiver part. Getting that her was through. Just like, yeah, just like hard really hard to watch. Um, as far as like the surgery stuff goes, um, I, I didn't really feel like I was a super stranger to that. I mean, like I wasn't super grossed out or anything from her post-surgery stuff. There weren't really a lot of super hard moments for us. I've, or at least for me, like there weren't really any super hard moments during that surgery. I think primarily because your, uh, your family was around for that, which was, was really helpful. There were definitely some moments like during chemo and stuff where you started, you know, the hair started falling out and that was like, that was like really hard for me to watch, especially because I had this, and I, and I think we'll get into it, but, 
I, I had a little bit of a misunderstanding with the cold capping. I mean, there were some moments in chemo, you know, in the middle towards the end where I could tell like she was deteriorating a little bit, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really have any super, other, yeah, other than the things I mentioned, I don't think there's any, a lot of like really any other super hard moments, at least for me, at least, you know. Let's talk chemo for a second because was Rosalina going through treatment what you expected it to be? You know, I think um, in movies, like we always, there's always like somebody who has cancer and like they're going through treatment and they're just bald and they're, you know, puking and like frail. And the picture that, you know, you always see in your head is like the the person in the medical gown, yeah. like barefoot, you know, walking through the, the halls of the hospital with the drip. And like and the hollow the, eyes. And, and like no hair and the hollow yeah. eyes and like all that all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that was definitely the expectation. I didn't have that much of a picture in my head like that in the moments leading up to the chemo, because I think her doctor had given us a pretty good understanding of what you were going to get and, and what was going to happen. I think in reality, it probably wasn't as bad as I envisioned it to be. Right. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk about cold capping again, because you said you, ha- I guess, had some sort of misunderstanding on what cold capping not was, but the results would be? Once I could tell Rosie could advocate for herself in in this setting of speaking with a doctor, I took a step back. Like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't being as involved with the decision-making. I wasn't, like asking the questions because I knew that that Rosie was kind of on top of it. Like from what I heard from her, the cold calving was like, oh yeah, you're not going to lose. You're not going to lose. From the hair. oncologist. No, or I, think, from me. I think from you. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think most of the information I got about the cold calving was actually from you. I thought that she wasn't really going to lose any hair. You wouldn't be able to notice, you know, blah, 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 which was like not even close to the case. Like you still lost so much hair. You were you were obviously able to, um, you know, not go fully bald, which was awesome, and I think that's a huge win. But it was a lot worse than I expected. Did you think it created a lot more anxiety for Rosalina and and for you too, because you were kind of caught off guard? It seems like. <laughs> yeah, of course. When her hair started, when her hair started falling yeah. out, she, I had I hadn't seen her get that freaked out in in kind of a while, actually. Yeah. I felt like she was pretty, she was like pretty strong and pretty in char- in in control of her emotions. You saw how she got very upset, like when it yeah. was falling out of her head. Like, do you think it was worth it in the end? I I do think it was worth it. Yeah, it's just kind of hard to see it going through it at the time, right? Like, how is this worth it if if you're losing this much? I do think it was worth it. Like, she figured out a way how to do her hair where you couldn't really tell. It looked like it was normal. You can't really do that if you go completely bald. Unless you get a wig or or I don't know. I don't know how people I think I think most people just they just take it and they just do it and they they accept it and they own it. I don't I don't know if uh I'm I'm sure that like if Rosie had to go full bald, she would have had to own it. 
Like you, you kind of have to, I, I think. Otherwise, you're just in a pity party, which is not, you know, where you want to be. But I do think it gave her like the one thing to lean on was like, oh, I still have some hair. I do think it was worth it from like that psychological perspective, but also feeling like she didn't have to reinvent herself like socially. I didn't want to make friends during the time that, you know, I was going through Mm -hmm. this hair loss because I didn't really feel like myself. I was pretty self-conscious around Brian as well, because Brian met me when I had a full head of hair. And the time when I started losing my hair, I thought Brian didn't think I was pretty enough. There were some times where I was like super depressed most of the time during chemotherapy and even like after. And there was a moment that I literally said to you, it's like, I don't think I'm pretty. And then you responded, I still think you're, you're beautiful. And so that, (laughs) that moment for me was like really important because after he said that I didn't feel self-conscious anymore around him. That was super important for me to hear, even though like I still felt ugly, (laughs) but at least he didn't think I was ugly. (laughs) So that was like important for me to hear. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I get, you know, not wanting to make friends like while you're in the middle of treatment you just, you don't know how genuine people are going to be and you don't know how like you know, are you going to be pitied because you're the girl that has cancer? And like, it's kind of a hard way to start off friendship. So I, I could see, I could see that being like super difficult. And I mean, the hair part was the worst, like one of the worst parts, actually thinking you are going to be able to save it and like have a sense of normalcy. And then just seeing come out in clumps is just heartbreaking. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And, um, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> Brian could tell you firsthand how difficult that was. Yeah, for it was, sure. It was crazy. You were like putting it in bags and stuff. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Just like throw it away. I know. Yeah. Cause I was, <laughs> <laughs> I remember you wanted to see how much you were losing and like how fast it was happening. Right. Yeah. It was good that I did that because I think it was like day 18. Like that's when I started losing a lot of hair. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like from day four to like day 18, like there was just a tremendous difference between how much I was losing hair in the beginning versus how much I lost hair after day 18. It was crazy. Right. Brian, like you're watching Rosalina now, like kind of deteriorate during chemotherapy and you're watching her hair fall out like rosalina's family is across the country and like you are like the primary caregiver to rosalina at this time like how did that affect like your day-to-day i had to you know put her first obviously um i mean i think realistically day-to-day she really didn't need like all that much help she was definitely trying her hardest to maintain a sense of normalcy as much as possible she was definitely in you know in control of her day-to-day like as far as you know meals go and you know keeping yourself alive i mean helping out with louie i think was definitely a big piece of that like making sure that he was you know hooked up in the morning and and goes out for a walk i definitely was kind of ready when or or tried to be 
available, like for whenever, you know, something might happen. But yeah, I mean, realistically, I was just trying to balance the I'm there for you caregiver thing while also not trying to overdo it because I didn't, I didn't want to let her get to get comfortable and then like fall into this being too dependent. Yeah. But, but it wasn't just for me. Like I knew that you didn't want that either. Right. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to balance that. And then there was one moment where like it fell apart. It was clear that I like wasn't doing enough because Rosie's also like not going to tell me like I'm not doing enough or like I need to do more. She's going to kind of hold out on that and be a little, a little stubborn and, and think that she, <laughs> that she can handle it and do it. You know, <laughs> there was like a moment where I think you like threw your back out or something. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You, like, you I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. You threw your back out like doing. Some, I don't even know what it was. I literally was like so angry that oh. day. Yeah, you were super pissed. You were mad as hell at me because you were like, you thought I like wasn't I wasn't there for you. I wasn't doing enough or whatever. We just had like a conversation, and I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm here for you. Like, I'll do whatever you need." Aww. Like I was, and then I think I don't think I had actually explained to her that I was trying to hold back. Yeah. Yeah. So we had that conversation too, which like made sense. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's honestly true. I mean, I'm pretty much an independent person and that's how I've always been. It was nice to hear from Brian how like he didn't want to overstep that. I appreciated that because it's, it's honestly the truth. Like I, I don't want people to take over my life. Like I want to be able to, to do that myself. So now that like you've experienced obviously being a caregiver, like, is there any advice that you'd give to like other caregivers or like other partners that are like in the same position as you kind of helping navigate your partner through breast cancer, like a breast cancer diagnosis, treatment, surgery, everything? Yeah. I think you just, you just need to be in tune with your, with your partner. Like you just have to understand, try to, I guess, like empathize as much as possible. But I think at the end of the day, what somebody who's going through something like that probably wants, and obviously I, it's just my perception through, through Rosie, but I think that person wants to maintain a sense of normalcy as much as possible and feel like they're still the same person that they were or will be the still be the same person after it's all over, even during. Because mm-hmm. I know that that was a big thing for Rosie. She didn't want it to like change her or like make her a different person. From my perspective, I don't think one person should take all of the weight. You know, I, I think for someone to go through this like really horrible cancer journey. You need as many people to help, you know, having my family be there. Like my mom and my my dad flew over, you know, to be here for me for my first infusion. And that was super helpful because that took pressure off of Brian to do any of the work. Like my mom took over, which was really really nice. And then obviously like George and Abby like for my surgery. 
they cooked for us. George was like there with me like 24 seven and Abby as well. And they kept me company where like Brian could do other things that he's been wanting to do. And so with my last chemo infusion, both my brothers, George and Roberto, and then Abby, like they came and, you know, you went on your trip with your boys Mm -hmm. in DC. And like, that was what I wanted. I didn't want Brian's life to be surrounded by mine, like 24 seven. I was like, go have your trip, please. You need to live your life as well. So it was really nice that he was able to do that. Like he, he was hesitant at first, right? Like he was like, are you sure? Are you sure? I was like, yes, my brothers and my sister-in-law would be here with me. I need you to do this for yourself. I definitely didn't want Brian to lose himself. Yeah. The best advice is just like, try to try to stay balanced, like as much as possible, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You have your band you know, now you're doing voiceover work. Like, did you find that keeping like, you know, making sure you made it to band practices and things like that, like that was super, it's super important for other caregivers to like have that one thing that kind of separates from like what is going on at home and cancer and things like that. Like, it's nice to have that one outlet. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, that was like probably just playing video games. Like that's, that's the outlet. Usually we weren't doing that much band stuff, especially like the chemo period. Yeah, I don't know. What was I like doing in my... I was like probably just playing games in my free time. Yeah, you're playing a lot of video games for sure. Yeah. Now Brian does way more than what he did during chemo. It was also COVID. So it's like, what the hell was I... Yeah, that's true. It, it was like... Right. <laughs> you couldn't really do much except for like go outside. Because yeah. like LA was super strict. Yeah, they were. Do you feel like Rosalina is a different person now? Like post-cancer? In... I, I do, but all in the best ways. <laughs> like how so? She's definitely more in tune with her health. Um, she she is more intelligent about how your like body works, like like from a biological kind of perspective. Um, I think she is just like stronger, more confident, like all those, all those things. Like she's still her crazy, weird, goofy self. <laughs> um, I think, I think she's, she, the one thing that is maybe a little different is she's toned down the like careless in the wind, like kind of, kind of thing. Um, but I think that's like, she still has that, um, you know, careless carelessness, and so care, carelessness is the wrong word. It's like I, I'm struggling to find the to find the term, but it's carefree. Yeah, like, caref- yeah, 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 care, yeah, carefree. You know, young, like, uh, just throw, throwing yourself at life and and having no fear, kind of thing. She still has that, definitely, but I think it's toned down a little bit. I think also, um, I would add like in Seattle, you know, I like every weekend I always wanted to go out. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what I was trying to to get at was that like, yeah, I mean, we were like, even the both of us, we were like pretty crazy back then, but I don't think that's just, I, I don't think that's just the cancer thing. That's also like being freaking locked in for two years. Like that ages you 
Yeah, that's true. Like, I feel like COVID launched me into my like early mid thirties. I think Rosie is different, but all in good ways. That's really nice. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, I'm like, I make Matt out to be like an angel on this podcast. Yeah. And like, you are neck and neck right now, the two of you, <laughs> after, this, uh, after this interview. I think uh, a cancer diagnosis is like not, you know, it's hard on the person obviously being diagnosed, but it's also hard for partners and family members and things like that. Were there like happy moments between the two of you? Yeah. I mean, the time that we celebrated for the lumpectomy. <laughs> Like that was that, like, it was a good night. We had a lot of fun. We were like telling the, we were like, um, I think we went, we went to a restaurant that we hadn't been to in a while and they're like at a new location and we were like excited about it. And the waiter was like really cool. Like he hooked us up with some stuff and we were like talking to him and stuff. You told the waiter, like know, we, we, we got told some him, good news. We told him, we were like, yo, like we had a rough week. We got some really good news today and we were just like out here to celebrate and like i think we i think we like thanked him i was like yo thank you for for making this a fun yeah dinner or whatever mm-hmm. yeah that was i mean that was a good moment i mean obviously like when she finished chemo that was big i'm i'm sure we had like tons of day-to-day like like happy moments well brian it was like so nice to have you here yeah and thanks for having me your answers were so kind It's super important to get the perspective of a caregiver. I'm super grateful that you stuck by my side. Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at TYFTS Podcast and email us at TYFTS Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes. 